0: Hello and welcome to IG's Trading the Markets. Uh, very shortly, we're going to be joined by John Chimpaglia, CEO of Sport Asset Management, to talk about uh, many of the materials that are key to the energy transition and also uh, uranium and transition materials as well. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Toronto. I guess let's start with some um, EV materials first. There's this expectation by many of the banks uh many of the uh, research that houses ING as well, that the uh, energy and EV transition will continue pace, but not as fast as we've seen in previous years. What does this all mean for miners?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to be on. Um, I think we've seen tremendous growth in EVs in a number of markets. Obviously, it's, uh, it varies quite a bit. You have countries like Norway, where almost uh, all new car sales are EVs. Um, but if you look around the globe, there are about 20 odd car markets where uh, new car sales represent at least 5% or more of new car sales. And obviously places like China, uh, almost one in four new cars are, are some kind of an EV. So there is uh, mixed uh, levels of adoption, but generally adoption is growing. And that is translating to growth, what we've seen historically of 30 to 40%. Uh, in annual sales, which is really great. So we are seeing an increased adoption. In uh, this year, we've seen obviously a bit of a slowdown. And I think that's that's not because of a shift away from EVs. I think it's mostly has to do with the cost of money, meaning it's uh, it's becoming very expensive, obviously, to buy a new car uh, in terms of financing it with interest rates gone up around the globe. But generally, I think the, the trend is, uh, towards higher rates of EV adoption. And it's because consumers have more choice. Uh, We're seeing price parity uh, in a number of markets where the cost of EVs is is coming down to the equivalent of typical cars. And we've obviously seen some automakers signal that they want to bring even lower entry price uh, cars uh, to the market in the coming years. I think all of that will stimulate greater adoption and that we will eventually, uh, you know, have greater levels of of EV sales in in many markets. That's obviously helping uh, the overall sector, including a lot of the battery metals, which are key components. I mean, at the end of the day, what really distinguishes uh, internal combustion engine vehicle from an EV is is the battery cells and the battery cells are primarily made of things like nickel and manganese and cobalt and graphite, and of course, lithium. Lithium is the, the number one uh, common element across all the different battery chemistries. So all of these sectors, I think, are going to experience higher than normal growth rates over the coming decades as we move to higher levels of EV adoption.
0: Now, uh, John, I've spoken to many uh, leaders at panels and also um, analysts uh, in this space. And I've just come back from Asia as well, specifically Malaysia and Indonesia. And we're seeing that it's still relatively slow there. I mean, there were only two Teslas seen in all of KL in the last, you know, two and a half weeks that I was there. Um, But what was interesting was that I saw way more BYDs, which is the Chinese make. Um, And, of course, they're coming in at a lower price point. Do you distinguish in terms of um, your critical mineral focus, do you distinguish between um, one maker of EV cars um, becoming sort of more dominant than the ones that are dominant at the moment, like Tesla?
1: Yeah, well, there's definitely, it's a very concentrated market. As you mentioned, BYD is is one of the largest in the world. And there's obviously lots of... um, of things happening there in terms of China exporting those lower price point cars uh, around the world. They are starting to infiltrate into Europe. I was recently in South America and I saw a number of them there as well. That is obviously creating some, I, I would say trade tensions because these are very low cost cars. The reason why they are low, co- co- low cost is, is in part because the battery cells um are based on different chemistries because they have shorter ranges so they don't work for all applications but for you know highly urbanized centers they can work very well Um, Uh, Tesla obviously is 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 the other dominant player and um you know I would say a few years ago was it was it wasn't very common to see a Tesla drive around and in some markets in North America it's it's incredible how they're proliferating so We are seeing greater adoption um, of of some of the the leading car companies. Obviously, the traditional OEMs are playing some catch up, but uh, we think they're they're, going to come on schedule in the next few years.
0: John, when are we going to see that pivot point where the uh, price of EVs will be a lot lower than petrol and diesel? Because currently, in many of the major markets that I've visited, and at least in the UK, that hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, it's happened in a couple of markets. I would say Tesla's probably been the leader there. They've been very aggressive with price cuts this year, and that has brought the price of some of their models below actually traditional gasoline uh, powered uh, vehicles. Uh, In other markets, I would say in the next two years, we should have price parity. And what's really driving that price parity is the price of the batteries continues to come down. And it's coming down because we're achieving scale in the sector. So as the car companies become more efficient and they produce more batteries, you get that economy of scale impact that is helping to bring back, bring down the price of battery packs, which is the biggest price component of the vehicle. So many of the estimates I've seen say that within the next 12 to 24 months, we're going to see greater uh, price price parity between traditional cars and EVs, which I think is going to help uh, accelerate sales
0: okay let's uh, move on to um, energy transition materials now uh, the storage relies of course on lithium nickel manganese cobalt and graphite what are your um, main projections um, for them in 2024
1: yeah I think they the, the the outlook for these these metals is quite good I think uh, they some of these industries are fairly nascent I would say lithium is the newer of the group um it's an industry that is still growing at a very fast rate and that's just because historically we we haven't had huge use for lithium other markets are more established like like nickel for example and so they're they're not as prone to kind of ups and downs in the short term but generally the trend is if we see greater adoption of evs we see that driving the demand for many of these minerals and obviously They all represent different percentages of overall usage, but lithium is really the one where, you know, we almost exclusively, the growth will come from EV adoption. Um, Things like cobalt as well, predominantly used for uh, EVs as well. So we think that these metals will all see higher demand in the coming years.
0: I also want to touch on uh, uranium because um, Sprott Asset Management uh, is partnered with Han ETF for two uh, USIT ETFs. It's the Sprott Uranium Miners USITS ETF and the Sprott Energy Transition uh, Materials USITS ETF. The uranium miners, this is a really interesting space, right? Many countries are now finding with... Effectively, two wars in play. Um, many countries are now rethinking their nuclear mix. Um, what do you see happening in the space in 2024?
1: Well, we've been very bullish on uranium for the last two and a half years, and it's it's played out as as we uh, had hoped it would. The price of uranium has more than doubled in the last year and a half, and and um, and more recently, it's up around 70 odd percent. So that this really reflects uh, a very positive shift in, in terms of attitudes towards nuclear energy have shifted amongst uh, a number of governments, including the UK. And that is really giving the industry a new lease on life. And so you're seeing this this new pledge to support nuclear energy in pursuit of not only net zero goals, but obviously the reality that energy security is very important for economies. And in the last year and a half, when we saw the, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, uh, that obviously disrupted a number of energy markets and was really at the wake up call in terms of how important energy security is. In the 1970s, we had a similar shock when OPEC squeezed the price of oil. Uh, but in the last year and a half, we've had, we've had a multiple commodity shock. And that's because Russia is a very big net exporter of everything from oil, natural gas, Nickel, palladium, uranium, um, and it's really, I think, been the catalyst to, to to galvanize this shift back to nuclear energy. It provides very reliable baseload power and it can provide energy security because once you power up these these power stations with fuel, they can run continuously for 18 to 24 months so you're not at the mercy of kind of a supply shock or a price shock that you would that you would have under um say a natural gas uh power station which we saw in 2022 so it's um it's definitely seeing a revival the uranium is obviously the fuel that powers these power stations and it has a very bullish outlook because we've underinvested in the sector for so many years that we now have a very interesting kind of long-term supply uh, and demand outlook, which indicates that in the next five years or so, there there could be a very large deficit, supply deficit forming. And in in anticipation of that supply deficit, we've seen much higher levels of uh, purchasing by utilities around the world, and that obviously is pushing the price higher. So we think the price of uranium has more room to grow, even though it has more than doubled in the last two years. Uh, And that's really all about incentivizing production of uranium so that we can meet the industry's future needs.
0: And and John, after all those um, specific things that you've just mentioned uh, uh, for the next five years, how can you quantify how much higher you think uranium prices have got to go?
1: Sure. Well, the uranium price right now is about $80 a pound. And that's been sufficient to basically turn on most of the mines that have been closed uh, over the last few years. So that process of of creating more supply is is underway. The next big challenge for the industry is going to be building new mines. And that's uh, going to happen, we think in this cycle, but it's going to take higher than $80 a pound to basically finance those big capital intensive projects and bring them to market. So we eventually think the price of uranium will will hit triple digits so that's north of $100 a pound. Obviously it's impossible to to know the timeline but we think in this cycle the price will, will could easily double from where we are right now. Right,
0: we have to leave it there. Thank you very much, to John. John Champalia there, CEO of Spot Asset Management, joining us from Toronto. This is IG Trading the Markets. I'm Angeline Ong. And for more analysis, do tune in to at Angeline Ong or at IG.com on Twitter. This is IGTV.